Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. As well as the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Southern California tickets are now on sale for the Steel Wars 200th podcast live at the Scum and Villainy Cantina on Saturday the 2nd of February at 3.30pm and we will be joined by special interview guest Eric Walker who played Mace Tuani in the 80s Ewok made for TV films A Caravan of Courage, An Ewok Adventure and Ewoks The Battle for Endor. Get ready for behind-the-scenes stories from the films, what it was like to work with Warwick Davis, and of course, the maker, George Lucas. Plus, we'll have a special audience mic set up if you've got a question to ask too. And if you can, hang out for a bit after the show and take in all the fun of the Scum and Villainy Cantina. Pre-sale tickets are just $10 and are available from SteelWars.com or $12 on the door from the Scum and Villainy Cantina. I cannot wait to talk Ewoks with Eric and I hope to see you there. But for now, let's get on with the show. The Scum and Villainy Fan Cantina is a Hollywood must-visit for any Star Wars fan. Its creator, J.C. Reifenberg, whose previous work includes the short film comedy Hughes the Force, the return of Return of the Jedi documentary for StarWars.com, and the pioneering Star Wars YouTube show The Comlink. We recount the cantina's origin story and hear how J.C. barely missing out on his dream job led to the creation of my favourite bar in the world that has become a social hub for L.A.'s nerd community. On May the 4th of this year, they came back and sat down with me and they were like, we met here one year ago today and we just signed papers to move in together. So they met here on May the 4th, started dating and a year later moved in together and hopefully will probably get married. Every time they come here, whether they're cosplaying as young Han and Kira or old Han and Leia or he cosplayed as Peter Pan and she was Tinkerbell before a John Williams concert a couple weeks ago, they always take the same photo in the same spot as the night they met. Nice. And it, it, every time I see him, it makes me so happy because I was like, that's what this place is for is you know obviously not always creating like a love connection but like creating connections amongst people i love that like i've started saying like we're a comic book shop that serves alcohol instead of selling books (laughs) plus jc and i talk at our different takes on the last jedi and rejoice in our shared love of luke skywalker this is steel wars episode 190 the scum and villainy cantina Behind the Bar with J.C. Reifenberg. This episode of Steel Wars is brought to you by Harry's Shavers. Harry's is so confident that you're going to love their blades that they'll give you their trial shave set 
for free when you sign up at harrys.com forward slash steerwars. You just cover the $3 shipping and it is yours. That is harrys.com forward slash steerwars. The link is in your podcast show notes. Hey guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we find someone of interest to talk about it with. And on today's episode, we are somewhere where we've recorded many a podcast. We are at Hollywood's Scum and Villainy Cantina with my guest, JC Reifenberg. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good. And you are the proprietor of this fine establishment. I am. I am. And I, uh, I'm i excited to be on the show because you've done your show here oftentimes. And I know you've seen me sitting in the background <laughs> watching other people talk, uh, just walking in place and pacing because I can't contribute. So now I'm pretty excited that I can actually... Yeah. I can actually share my, my <laughs> thoughts. I, I think um, if you watch some of the video ones on YouTube, you can see JC in the background at the bar recording his own sub-podcast about <laughs> the, the <laughs> podcast topic. <laughs> it is, I do that. I listen to so many Star Wars podcasts just during the day while I work. And sometimes it is, I'm so used to the interactiveness of being on them. And then when I can't chime in with like, no, like, that didn't happen then. Like, <laughs> it, it is quite frustrating. What has been the toughest thing that you that you remember that you so wanted to, uh, like, grab a mic, Kanye style, and uh, jump in? Oh, it was The Last Jedi. The whole Last Jedi <laughs> podcast. <laughs> the whole one. And the funny thing is, is, like, I don't... Like, I like it because even when I disagree with some of the guests you've had on... Uh, some of the guests you've had on, uh, they do make good points about different things. I'm like, oh, I can. S- I don't think that was in the movie, but I think if I watched the movie with that in mind, I'd enjoy it yeah. more. Um, so s- it's been rewarding, but also sometimes somebody says something, and you're just like that. Like you said, like that's not how that happens. <laughs> that's not how that works. You're making that up. <laughs> I know for a fact that's not how it worked. As someone that is quite a veteran podcast listener, I always have this advice for when people, sometimes you'll be recording a podcast and someone will say a date or that actor was in this and they're like, oh, well, someone will let us know. We won't bother fixing it. And it's like, no, stop the podcast now. Look it up and state it. Otherwise, you're going to have 50 people tweeting you. Oh, yeah. That it was David Prowse that was in that. So like, <laughs> it's just, oh, you got you got to fix it up then and there. you got to fix it up then and there. But do you ever think about you know, you're a lifelong Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. and, and we'll get into that. You've done some great stuff for the fandom. When you're watching Star Wars, and there's like, you know, there's, there's, there's fighter pilots, and there's Jedi, and there's princesses, and there's smugglers. When they went into the cantina, and that Wooer was saying, you know, droids, we don't want them in there. Mm-hmm. Did that hit you as a child that, like, that's what I'm going to grow up to be? Uh, No. <laughs> No, I'm like you. I love Luke Skywalker. Right. Um, everybody says they love Han Solo, but I think deep down everybody likes Luke Skywalker and they just pretend to like Han Solo. Um, no, uh, Wurr or Chalmun or none of them. None. 
never in my wildest dreams. Maybe for those that are a little bit uh, vague about what we're talking about with the cantina, describe the scum and villainy cantina. It's history. It's, um, it is a cantina that celebrates fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a, like a North African architecture. So it's, it's inspired by, uh, the cantina from the movie Star Wars and then has a lot of elements of other fandoms that you've seen and love. So when you come in here, it feels, even if you've never been here, it feels comfortable. It feels like a place that you know very well because, you know, it. some of the architecture looks like Star Wars, but the lighting is very Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, all the drinks we serve have fun names like from Firefly. And, and so it's, uh, for a nerd, it is, um, if you've seen Ready Player One, it's it's like uh, if Parzival from Ready Player One was to build a bar, I feel like this would be the bar he'd build. It's weird. When we're sitting here, we're sitting in one of the little enclave booths sort of thing where I, I could shoot you under the table at any time, buddy. That's true. Or I could shoot your first. Wow, this is um, <laughs> it's not that type of bar. Now, um, but from this angle, I feel like I'm in that old Hasbro cardboard pop-up cantina, like with the bar and mm-hmm. how it arches out. It's a very similar look. Like I, because I'd only been here, you know, when it's busy, I'd not sat in a booth for ages. And then I think at the last show, someone had a booth and I sat down in it, and I was just like, oh my god, this is very. Um, I don't feel like the opening credits of Entourage were just filmed out on the street here, but it, it, it is very otherworldly. Yeah, so we, um, one of the things that I really wanted to do is we don't have any windows to the outside world, um, and we are on Hollywood Boulevard, so it's very Los Angeles, Hollywood in your face, but once you step through the door, I wanted it to be total escapism. Um, and a lot of people say, like, how come you don't put, Star Wars toys up on the wall or how come you don't have TVs playing nerdy movies and it's like well because as soon as you I I want to remove as much earthly world as it you I can from inside now obviously like our menus have to be printed in English so people can read them and we have to you know have like some real life stuff like exit signs on the door, the city would go crazy if we didn't have a big exit sign over the door. But as much as we can, I try to uh, build a spot where people can escape. Mm. It is, it, it fits the bill, because I know I normally come in to do the live podcast and it'll be daytime, and then I leave and it's quite nighttime. And it's like, oh, I didn't even realize mm-hmm. this had happened. It's and like a Vegas ca- casino in a way. Like you don't quite know what's going on outside because you're just in the moment inside. Now, I want to get into the creation of the cantina, but we will go into your fandom a little bit first. And I think a good place to start is this morning I watched your short film, The Summer of 78. Mm-hmm. And it is... I guess, a recreation of what uh, a young boy may have made on a Super 8 video with Star Wars toys, with Kenner toys, cardboard play sets and stuff. And I was moved. 
because I love all the hand-built... Like, I love seeing photos of, like, setups that kids had when they were Mm -hmm. little with cardboard boxes and what their parents made for them and stuff. And I don't know. It sounds a corporate sort of way to analyse it, but the play pattern that you had in the film with, like, different lines out of the film and stuff used for different situations, that was exactly how I played, like... I would sort of just re-edit the film in my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you remember from playing, like living out your own? I don't. I, I, I'm guessing it wasn't the summer of '78 when you, you were doing that. No, I'm. I'm what 37, so we're probably around the same age. I wasn't alive in summer of '78, um, but for the hook of the movie, I had to kind of roll back my my experience. I probably did those types of things in like '85. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's what it was. Uh, the kind of genesis of it is I did a, a 35-minute short film called Hughes the Force uh, that James Arnold Taylor acted in and Cat Tabor acted in from Clone Wars. They played Obi-Wan in uh, Padme, and Kevin Smith was in it. Um, it was kind of a John Hughes high school comedy matched up with Star Wars. Um, and it got it the attention of some people at Lucasfilm um, who were like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. Uh, and then fast forward, th- I, I did that movie to win a Star Wars fan film award, which sadly, uh, 2011 was the last year of the fan film awards, and I didn't get the movie done in time, so I did oh. not win. Uh, but fast forward to 2014, they brought the fan film awards back with J.J. Abrams, and um, one of my friends at Lucasfilm tweeted me and was like, we're bringing the Fan Film Awards back. Like, what do you got, Reifenberg? <laughs> and I was like, nothing. I was like, I said everything I had to say in Hughes the Force. Like, that was my Star Wars movie, I, fan film I always wanted to make. I, I have to say just about Hughes the Force, and this is just amazing nerdom going on from my part, but in the movie... There is use of the force. There's sort of like a weird mm-hmm. science style um, woman created. But the thing that I was like, come on, is that he rips open a vintage slave player <laughs> action figure. I'm like, they never had that. that yeah. this, is, this is not this is not legit, you know. Like, sure, the guy can float the pizza with the force, but... Yeah, so I took some creative liberties <laughs> uh, in terms of that. Obviously, the the action figure used in the movie is a Power of the Force 2 Leia figure from, like, 1997. Whoever did the card mock-up, though, bang-up <laughs> job. That was an I epic. I think I found that on, like, the Force.net mm. forums or something. Um, so so I'm I'm trying to think now. The, uh, I'm just going to drop his name. Matt Martin. Uh, had my brain going, like, well, if I were to do another Star Wars short, what would I do? And it was, uh, you know, the sequel trilogy's coming up, it's J.J. Abrams, everybody's so excited, but there was a lot of nostalgia behind it also because it was Han, Luke, and Leia coming back. Or so we thought we'd see them all again on the same screen, which we didn't. (laughs) But, um, so I was like, gosh, I didn't... We saw at the same Comic-Con panel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I was like, gosh, I, uh... God, I just loved cracking open my action figures and using whatever play sets or boxes or whatever I had because I didn't have tons of money, so I didn't have every action figure in every play set. I had to use, uh, you know, 
the Luke X-Wing pilot as Luke's Return of the Jedi, and I had to use, you know, uh, the generic Hoth trooper as, like, Han Solo in Hoth costume, and um, so I was like, oh, like, that's what I haven't done. Like, I haven't tapped into the nostalgia of Star Wars. Like, what Star Wars really means, like, where that love comes from, and I think for people my age, so much of what they love about Star Wars came from those Kenner figures and recreating the the movie in their own way from those and that's what you know really got their imaginations going and also where you got the names of Hammerhead and Walrus Man and and all of those great characters Kenner made those up and put them on a action figure um and then to kind of you know make it relevant and and forward thinking uh, you know, we kind of dropped the J.J. Abrams in at the end, and it was actually, spoiler alert, that the little boy in the movie is supposed to be J.J. Abrams, and it was a almost like um, w- when I did it, it was that April, and it was a uh, a letter to Star Wars fans saying, like, we're in good hands. This guy grew up the same way we did. Mm-hmm. I love remembering and hearing about people's like things that they had to do like to get by with -hmm. what they have i never had a jab of the hut and that's my favorite scene so my bib fortuna was always called jab of the hut (laughs) and he was like the stand-in it was like in the office and and david brent's away or whatever and and you've got (laughs) dwight or whatever but yeah i had bib fortuna who incidentally is one of my least favorite characters in star wars like he's a Jedi cockblocker, no, no bite. Which Just you always picked your least favorite character. I used um, Crix Maydeen as Luke Skywalker constantly, because like, wh- what good is General Maydeen? <laughs> like, he's not interesting or fun. But man, did he fly an X-wing when I called him Luke Skywalker? <laughs> His head could actually make a decent vintage custom old Luke Skywalker now. That's true. Because a lot of those sculpts, like if you look at uh, the Luke Stormtrooper, the Power of the Force, mm-hmm. that head sculpt is... <laughs> so bad. <laughs> and then the helmet is huge to get over it. But it was so thrilling that it was produced. Mm-hmm. I remember like just... like a, I just saw photos of it and was just like, oh my God, he can get into the... Because it used to be like you just have a Stormtrooper and pretend he was mm-hmm. in there a lot of work took a lot of work so you're a luke skywalker guy what was it about luke that hooked you in um i i wasn't cool growing up uh and what was interesting is i don't think i ever really wanted to be cool or like my idea of what was cool wasn't what society's idea of cool is like i still think poison and death leopard are cool uh, so obviously, like, I'm just not there. Um, and I think, you know, Luke being the hero and not being the cool guy, but being the guy who saves the day. And I, I think that just captured me. Mm. Um, and I, like you, I love the green lightsaber. Um, I, I, And I think the best scene in any Star Wars movie, hands down, is the Luke versus Vader fight scene. And that's one of my first memories of of 
ever was my dad took me to the movie theater, and I don't really remember the movie Return of the Jedi. It's probably towards the tail end of its run in 83 or beginning of 84. But um, I remember the chaos that was the movie theater and how excited people were. And I remember the red and the green lightsabers crossing in that shot that's like they're silhouetted behind the staircase and like yep. that image was always burned into my head and like i mean luke luke is the greatest hero of uh, since odysseus i i mean it's just it is what it is you know and thus when they decide what to do with him some of us yeah i mean look uh, it's not what I wanted to see by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but the major problem I had with it was I just didn't think that they justified what they did with him. Had they justified what they did with him in the movie, I probably – or had I felt they justified what the the direction they took him, I probably would have been okay with it. I would have said, ah, that's not what I would have done, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Mm. My problem with it was I just didn't – I didn't feel like it sold me. Like, they had to do more to sell me that Luke would just take his father's lightsaber and toss it over his shoulder and let Ray beat up on him. <laughs> I just didn't, you know. It's it's interesting. Someone tweeted out yesterday that I retweeted that in their, like, corner of fandom, they were talking about, like, they sort of worked out The Last Jedi before it came out. Like with the the force attachment between Kylo and Ray and and Luke being old grumpy Luke and and stuff like that, which you know people would theorize about old grumpy Luke, but uh, quite often I see people that really don't like the Last Jedi and they say it's how could he do like go that way and it's like well with all the movies there's like four different ways you could logically do it. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you know the Empire Strikes Back, you know. What you could change anything in it that you know Luke doesn't go to Dagobah or something like that, and it's like oh that could be logical, but it is that weird thing of like now it's the story's taken out of the hands of the guy that invented it. I I feel like we're now more apt to judge the decision sort of thing because it's like it's someone else but not us, and like and and I think it's fine to do that in um. I don't know, like, a lot of times the fandom sort of shows you bad sides to yourself, like, <laughs> and sometimes when I see, like, a creative decision, I'm just like, no, <laughs> yeah, these, these fools don't know, like. Yeah, I mean, I, look, and to be fair to uh, Star Wars and Last Jedi, the, the problems I have with Last Jedi, I have with a lot of movies I watch. Mm that I just don't feel that the cause and effect and the setup and the payoffs are as strong as they should be. And I think part of it also is, uh, you know, as a society, everything we do now is so temporary and disposable. When your TV breaks, you go buy a new TV. But in 1985, when your TV broke, you took it to the local TV repairman. You know, everything we just throw out and buy new – and I think that movies and, you know, Last Jedi being a new movie, I feel like a lot of them are treated as disposable 
in the way that, well, Last Jedi came out in December, and we've got Star Wars Rebels and Han Solo coming out in the next six months. So, like, nobody's going to be talking about Last Jedi. Ha, ha, ha. So they thought <laughs> by the time <laughs> Solo came out, you know? Um, so, you know, I mean, it's okay, though. Like, I like Solo, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think it's – I think it's storytelling in general has – there's a lot of stuff that isn't going as deep in – motion pictures and you're seeing a lot of character development in television now yeah which is what makes it so interesting with that that favreau split like series mm -hmm. like what what could he do over that stretch of time like i'm watching like that show the deuce which is about early 80s Times square and like how that sort of mm -hmm. adult trade started and stuff it's on hbo and it's like I think there's maybe like ten episodes a season, and they're just gripping. Like I, I'm so engaged with the characters and worried about them and stuff. And I'm, yeah, I'm so excited to have that opportunity to do yeah. that in in Star Wars. Yeah, and just I hope they go weird places with it. Like I hope we see like, like some young Twilight girl whose family's trying to get her to be a dancer, but she wants to be a pilot. You know, or I hope I hope we get those weird kind of stories that make that galaxy a, a bigger place that we understand better instead of again, like and that's something that people complain about so much about Star Wars is the the patriarchy of it um, where it's like. Well, I like that Ray's not a Skywalker because it means that, you know, anybody can be a hero. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I still miss my Luke Skywalker, but, like, I feel like the TV show would be an awesome place to explore a million little stories. Kind of like, I hope they do it like X-Files. You know mm -hmm. how X-Files had, like, the main story where it was, like, Mulder's sister was kidnapped by aliens and he's out to prove it. But then you have like the great like kind of like monster of the week episodes. Mm -hmm. I hope they do that. Like I hope we've got like a central through line, but like you get to explore these little weirdness of the galaxy. Anyway, yeah. now we're making a movie or now <laughs> we're making the TV show. Probably that's once once you're out on iTunes, you get a lot of creative <laughs> control over most uh, media properties. What about so if Luke Skywalker's your main guy, who's your fave background character? Um I really like Salacious Crumb. Um I really like Oh man, that's a tough question. If I go through Star Wars bit by bit, the one that Salacious Crumb sticks out I think action figure wise I had Yoda, so like Yoda, I guess he's not really a background character though. Um My favorite Cantina alien is Danic Jericho, I think. I think he's so weird. Which one's that? He's the one who smokes the pipe. Oh, and he's just he's like a humanoid yeah, but a dude with like yeah. big eyebrows or something. Yeah, like he's got like uh I don't know. Like a weird, kind of a messed up face. Um, but yeah, he smokes the pipe. She calls his soup. 
<laughs> Back on yeah. the soup. Yeah. It's like it was like death sticks before death sticks. Or I guess after Death Sticks, if you're being chronological. I'd say they're a confusing franchise. Don't worry <laughs> about it. And uh, what about your favorite scene? Um, I mean, everybody's favorite scene is the one where he, like, comes up from the garage and he kicks the rock and he stares out at the sun, you know. But uh, really, my favorite scene is, um, is the whole Vader-Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi. Uh, as a kid, I think... I just love the music and the lightsabers and, like, the fact that Luke beat Darth Vader at the end. Um, but I think as a filmmaker now, I feel like that that scene is the heart of what Star Wars is about. You know, it shows you get to see Luke walk in, face his fears, his fears overtake him, he gives in to his fear and ultimately stands up for what is right. And Luke does that in that scene, and you also get to watch Darth Vader do that in that scene. Um, it, I just think that's... Uh, I think it's, like, one of the best scenes ever in I anything. When I was young, I always found it really confusing. Like, I couldn't just strike him down. Like, when the Emperor's like, go and just hit me. I was like, no, just hit him. Yeah, just hit him. Just do yeah. it. Like, it, it was such a... Like, because I so trusted Luke Skywalker, you know what I mean, that he mm -hmm. was going to do the wrong, right thing. So I was like, why aren't you doing it? Yeah, just cut his yeah. head off. That'd be sick. Do yeah, that. now that you're saying that, I think I felt the same way. Like, I didn't understand why he wouldn't just kill the bad guy. Um, but you, like you said, you trusted Luke Skywalker so much that you bought the scene. Yeah. You were like, well, if Luke's doing this, he's doing it for a reason. But, and that's the thing. I was left with the thing of, like, why? I've got to work this out. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, because, you know, when you're little, it's, the answer's, like, a pretty, like, if you're getting bullied, push. Mm -hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just go for simple answers. And this was, like, to win, he's not trying to win. Like, he's winning the fight by not fighting. Mm -hmm. how, does, how does that work? That's a very complicated for a five-year-old boy that's uh, <laughs> out with his action figures in the garden trying to work out. Um, but that's what's so awesome about Star Wars also, and um, I've talked about this a lot, Not, I don't think ever on a podcast, though, is uh, the brilliance of Star Wars is that a lot of people's experience with Star Wars is uh, starts when they leave the movie theater, where like a Marvel movie you watch and, and your experience starts when the movie starts and ends when the movie ends. But with Star Wars, you would watch the movie and you'd be like, that's so cool. And you left and it made you want to do something. So, you know, you're do you do a Star Wars podcast. It's I'm sure you're not making millions of dollars off your Star Wars podcast, <laughs> but you do it every week. You do it because you love it. And it's it's a creative outlet that was inspired by this movie. And there's, you know, a million filmmakers and visual effects artists and robotic people and people who work at NASA and people who open bars that were inspired by Star Wars to get out and chase their dreams, which is something that that movie also has done so well that I don't think – I think we, we aren't getting with the new movies. And to be fair to the new movie, I don't know if the prequels ever did that either. That, that original trilogy made people want to 
do things. Like, do or do not, there is no try is, like, what that movie did to audiences. What about when you're younger? Now, this is, like, commonplace in modern times. But, like, in the 80s, I felt like, like, I was shocked when anyone would have anything critical to say about films. Like, it was like, really? <laughs> there's a bit you don't want? Like, there's maybe bits that I'd maybe drift off, like when they're, you know, R2-D2 and C-3PO are going through the desert, not the most exciting <laughs> thing, you know, in it's sort of like, come on, just get to Luke Skywalker, let's, let's, let's get on with it. But back then it seemed, and because I was so young, it was like sacrilege to even criticise. And then in the 90s it was kind of in vogue to like like call shit out sort of like mm-hmm. well if he's called Luke Skywalker like why is he hiding like like you know the name of Luke yeah, Skywalker yeah. all that sort of stuff it was I don't know I kind of liked the time when you just like obviously we analyse it so much now and on the podcast and that but that thing where you just accepted it and just went this is dumb this is the great there is nothing wrong with it it reminds me of Kyle's movie Fanboys mm-hmm. where it's just like you know He's the greatest actor that ever lived <laughs> about Harrison Ford. And that's kind of how basically, I mean, I still kind of feel about Star Wars. But, um, yeah, in the 80s, you just you didn't. I mean, I think it's because it wasn't as popular, right? Because you were probably really into Star Wars when nobody was really into Star Wars. Where, like, if you saw somebody with a Star Wars toy in 1987 or a Star Wars t-shirt, like, you were immediately, like, the best man at their future wedding, <laughs> you know? Like, it was, it, was, it was such a cool thing that you didn't – and it was so sparse that you didn't want to say anything bad about it because you didn't – you were never going to get it again. Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird because I was super into skateboarding as well. And in the early 90s, they were both times when if you saw someone with a skateboard t-shirt or a Star Wars t-shirt, you'd go up to them and go, mm-hmm. hey, what's up? I'm into this stuff. Whereas now, you know, like like either, both skateboard brands and Star Wars, mm-hmm. like you see people wearing them just like... Yeah, everybody wears Vans. Everybody knows who Tony Hawk is now. Oh, my God. In Australia, there was... Uh, in my town, a BMX rider, this girl that was like a, you know, like an amateur BMX rider, and she had a pair of vans. And if I would see her down the street, it was like her feet were like celebrities. That mm-hmm. like, oh my god, there's van, there's someone owns vans in my town. <laughs> That's how cool this town's getting. Someone owns vans. Very hard to get in the eighties for drugs. Great, great pair of shoes. Great <laughs> pair of shoes. Let me ask you guys this. Are you or anyone in your close proximity one of those humans with facial hair that often likes to remove them? Are you or that person someone that enjoys high quality products? Also, are you or that person into high quality products, facial hair removal and love a sweet deal? If you said yes to any or all of these bizarre questions, admittedly, then you should check out our special deal from Harry's Shavers. Harry Shavers was started by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were bit by a radioactive shaver. No, sorry, they were fed up with getting charged an arm and a leg for razor blades. So they pretty much just bought a factory and started their own program, going direct to the consumer to cut out that dreaded middleman. This is me going direct to you, middleman, 
out in the cold, mate. Out in the cold and you're saving some sweet bones, which may or may not be slang for money. To the point, I use Harry Shavers and as my six-week-old baby Harrison demands, I need to be clean-shaven. This stubble business, it is met with tears and loud noises, which are two things I am desperately trying to avoid. So, to avoid your own tears and loud noises, go to harrys.com forward slash steel wars. You know that link is in the show notes. And sign up for your free trial offer. You're getting $13 of value for free when you sign up. You just cover the shipping, which is a mere $3 to get a weighted ergonomic razor handle with five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade a rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover not only is this set great to test it out it makes for a great travel kit when you're hitting cons or the like so thanks so much harry shavers for supporting the podcast and you can support them which also supports the podcast which also supports clean shaving at harrys.com forward slash steel wars click it right now that's harrys.com forward slash steel wars my voice went up at the end because that's how passionate i am about well-priced shaving products harrys.com forward slash steel wars go on talking about return of the jedi you did that um little mini documentary i was it for star wars I, it's on the star wars it was YouTube for account. Entertainment Weekly and Star Wars, yeah. And you did that with Kyle Newman. It was the return of Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. with like a bunch of sort of geek cred celebrities spouting off their favorite things about Return of the Jedi. Now, if you're here at the Scum and Villainy listening to me podcast and you you want to jump in with stuff, h- how are you listening to all these people say their favorite things of Return of the Jedi? Were you just saying like with the fist up? Yes! I, I yes! was, yes, I was cheering. And like, it's, there's so some people uh the two people who really stuck out to me were um Sam Witwer which we could have put I just think Sam talked for 90 minutes and we literally could have just put Sam's entire 90 minute talk about Return of the Jedi in because it was it, it was just amazing um and then the other was uh from Fallout Boy, the lead singer of Fallout Boy. Pete Wentz. No, not no. Pete. The other guy, oh. Patrick, Patrick Stump, who's not in it very much, but he had such like incredible love for the movie that was genuine. You mm. know, like some people joked about like, oh, you know, in in the hood, we didn't call it a slave costume, or you know, Kevin Smith joked around about, it, but like the reverence that he just had for like the nuance of Return of the Jedi was so, I was just like, I want to hug you. <laughs> I want to hug you, but it'll ruin this thing. But I just, gosh, I love it. Because everybody always says, like, well, Empire is the best. And then A New Hope is okay. And, like, Return of the Jedi sucks. And I, like, I, I, I want to punch those people in the face. <laughs> because I'm like, no, like, maybe, yeah, there's another Death Star, and yeah, they're on Tatooine again. And yeah, I mean, it, it mirrors the first one a lot. But, like, the you got tie interceptors and a green lightsaber and 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 you and you you uh the emotion of that movie is so awesome and you learn that 
Darth Vader is actually Luke's dad. He's not lying, and that Leia's his sister, and and that frees Han up to to get with Le- oh, it's a good movie. There's a lot of bombshells. It's it's a big finale yeah. of the uh, of the season. And Luke got to yell at Obi Wan. He's like, "You told me he betrayed and murdered my father, old man. I don't love you the way I once did." <laughs> oh, the weird so thing good. about the green lightsaber is, I don't even like the color green. No, neither do I. But I just. It's what that represents. Do you know what they? Do you know why I heard why they did that? And this could be speculation. It's because of the blue sky. The blue sky and the saber yeah. wouldn't have shown up as well. It's that's the like the thing about Star Wars that I feel like gets milked a little bit now out of fun, and that's like everything has an explanation and mm-hmm. it's all we've got to write backstories and books and here's this that and the other. It was like. He's got a green lightsaber, which now is so iconic because the blue wouldn't have shown up on the blue. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, like, it's it's a, like a rad, like, like a lot of times, and I think, like, George Lucas begrudges these things that held him up that, that we love. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? That he wants yeah. to go back and fix stuff, and it's like, no, no, no. Like, it was, like, it was ghetto, but it was, it was our ghetto. Yeah, we, we yeah. loved it. We liked seeing the, the strings or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was it was our thing. It was our thing. Oh, have you ever been out to the like the Sarlacc pit? I have not. Um, I've had friends that have gone out there and brought me back sand from it, and like pieces of the foam that are still yeah, out right. there, and the wood from the sail barge. So I have some of that stuff, but I've never been out there. Oh, you've got to. It's it gets you. Like, I was sort of driving, and then I realized we were surrounded by the dunes. So if you look out and in your eyes block out the road, it's like it's like you're doing the shot, the establishing shot of, like, the sail barge going oh. over. Like it's, it's, it's like all of a sudden you are on Tatooine. It is I have to amazing. And I, um, before we found a large amount of that, that rubber stuff from the Starlight Pit, my wife was very... <laughs> patronizingly going, yeah, that's from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Put it in your little bag. There's a collectible for you. <laughs> and then she ended up turning around. But you, you have to, like, it is an amazing place to visit. My, um, Yuma, Arizona, everyone. My dream uh, for my 40th birthday is I want to do all the, I want to go on a trip and hit all the locations from the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. And so, like, go to Norway, go to Northern California, go to Yuma, Arizona, and do all of that stuff. Okay, that's good, right? That's a fine idea. But I think, just to add a bit of nerdism to it, you have to do it in chronological order. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) So you have to go from, like... um, Tunisia. Tunisia. To Norway. Yeah, huh? And then back to Tunisia later. You might have to go to Guatemala or something. Oh, yeah. To Yavin 4, and so... you. This is going to be a big birthday for you. I know. I know. I I, I got to start saving now. But I feel like I need to do that. I donated to um, that Lars Homestead Fund yeah, right. several years ago. And so I really want to get out there and, and look at the igloo. I, 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 it kills me that the political climate over there is so bad right now because I'm like, if I don't get over there to do that, like, I don't think I can – consider my life complete like i i have to go do it i'm pretty torn up about it 
like because it's uh, for those that don't know, it's quite dangerous to go there now mm. with um, you know terrorist activity in, in that sort of region, which is. I want to stand at that, uh, on that hill, mm-hmm. and have that music play, and it's yeah. That's I mean, how would you not cry? Like how I, w- imagining myself there, I, if I work at, I could well up. Like if I ar- ever had to do a scene with Meryl Streep in a movie, I'd be like, I'm in Tunisia, the music, the sun's coming down, and I'd be like. And I never even learned to read. And she'd be like, wow, you're really good. I'm like, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd go um, Chewy We're Home. That, that, that can just, uh, I, I can just think about that line and it can just unlock. Like, mm-hmm. I can start crying now if you want. <laughs> That'd be great when your employees start to uh, <laughs> up show up. Why do you make Steel cry? <laughs> Very mean. Very mean. So, um, yeah, I love that. That Return of the Devil. That Return of the Jedi documentary was um, it was really fun. It was really fun. So the other thing before we get to the cantina, you used to do a show called The Comlink. You were like yes. the producer of that, or that was like a like sort of an interesting sort of experiment. Sort of one of the first YouTube things of Star Wars I watched. I oh, was a, I was a cool. very I was a very late comer to watching people do Star Wars news on YouTube because it's so. Mm-hmm. National Enquiry sort of yeah. thing for the most part. But talk about Comlink. Um, Comlink came... Comlink was interesting. I don't know if I've ever publicly talked about this. Um, I was in the running to get hired by Lucasfilm r- right before the Disney sale. And then the Disney sale happened and I didn't... And they like just put the kibosh on it. And then when they relaunched StarWars.com and did all of that, I was the runner-up to the guy who was going to be hired to create videos and do the editing and, and work with Mickey and Matt and Andy and that whole team up there. I was the runner-up. I, uh, I was working on Kevin Smith's Tusk movie, and I was supposed to – act in that movie in a scene and I had to cancel on Kevin Smith because I was sitting in his car doing a phone interview with Lucasfilm and then I got flown up to Lu- to LDAC to like interview with everybody um, and it was it was amazing and I was so excited and uh, and I um, I got a it's like heartbreaking um, I'll never forget they this I could be your crying thought when you're with it Meryl. It will be. Uh, I, I was. I'm t- about to tear up. <laughs> I was. I n- recognized the the department was actually Disney Interactive, and I recognized the Disney phone number every time it called me, and because I'd always eight one eight whatever whatever. I I recognized it, and uh, and I'm. It was nine thirty at night. And I was driving over the 101 freeway, right by Universal Studios. And it was, it was 9.30 at night on a Friday in December. And I saw the Disney number come up. And I'm like, this is either going to be really good news or really bad news. Because who's working at a corporate job at this time? And they were like, hey, JC, like, everybody really likes you up at Lucasfilm. Um, uh, would you be willing to relocate? said yeah and they said what sort of salary requirements would it be and I gave them a number and they said well we can hit that number 
I was th- I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And they're like, yeah, we'll call you Monday to like work out the details. And Monday came and went, and Tuesday came and went. And on Wednesday, I emailed them, and I didn't hear back. And on Thursday, came and went. On Friday, I called and, didn't and left a message. And the following week was the week of Christmas. And I'll never forget, Christmas was on a Thursday. And on that Monday, I s- put out a tweet, and I just said, all I want for Christmas is to know if I'm moving to San Francisco next year. And on that Wednesday, December 24th, I got an email from Disney Interactive that was a, this is after, I started talking to them in October. It was now almost the end of December. It was a form email saying that they went with somebody else. And I was like, I know this is a long story to get to the comlink, but I was devastated devastated because like every other fan the only thing i ever wanted to do was to say hi to the yoda statue every day on my way to work and um oh man because i we had justin bolger on the other week and we talked about his interview process mm-hmm. and he's like oh you know he must have been you know super nervous you know to go for an interview with his job and it all worked out so it's all good but yeah dude and um and so at least they timed it well (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah tomorrow maybe he'll get some star wars toys that'll make him feel better um so it was okay everything ended up but i really did they send you any star wars toys no they sent me nothing i didn't get anything all i got was that email and i got to talk to some of the people i had interviewed with later who kind of explained what had happened um and it was all okay because in rosebud right when mcdonald's opened up and Every kid in town went for a job at McDonald's, <laughs> and you knew you didn't get the job if they gave you a cheeseburger voucher. Oh, so it was like we're not gonna let you out the back, but please come to the counter and and see the other people <laughs> who got a job. Oh, I wish if I had gotten a box of toys, it would have <laughs> softened the blow. Um, but uh, at that time, I had been working with David Collins also on a. Star Wars documentary, and um, we kind of, <laughs> that kind of got paused also um, for many of the, s- uh, a, a, no- a similarly heartbreaking story on that documentary, but um, we, uh, so we were like, what if we did a, um, a. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Almost like ESPN-style news show, uh, like SportsCenter or ESPN News when they used to have the news ticker. What if we did a weekly show like that, but for Star Wars? Because in my mind... uh, Star Wars and nerddom is the same thing as sports, you know, but sports is everywhere. You have an ESPN channel, but back then you didn't have anything. So that's what we set out to do. We set out to make ESPN for Star Wars fans. 
and um, you know, David's hosted Stellar Celebration forever, and he's worked up there, and um, I thought he'd be a great host, and that's what we put together. Um, and it was just a creative outlet for both of us who were, who I had just lost my dream job at Lucasfilm, and he had just a couple years prior left his dream job at LucasArts when they closed down. And um, and it was just a way for us to, to get back into the community and do something, instead of just buying and consuming stuff, uh, create mm -hmm. and like, and put something back, give something back to a community that had given us so much throughout our whole lives. Um, so we did, uh, you know, the show started with like the week's news and then we did, um, and this show uh, predates the Star Wars show by two months. So, like, we had... Is that always, always two months? Yeah, we had our first eight episodes out, I believe, before, or six episodes out by before Star Wars show did. Um, and, uh, and we got, like, fun guests, like Grant Imahara did a great interview where he talked about when he was at ILM, he was the guy who would dress up as C-3PO and do public events and um, we had the head guy of the 501st on at the time, Matt Lanter uh, Kat Tabor uh, James Arnold Taylor yeah there was tons of Clone Wars people yeah we had we had a lot of the Clone Wars guys we had um, I don't know it's just really fun I, I wish that I could have kept it going but it was so much work it was like a full time job yeah, how how did you find like just trying to break into like YouTube at the time? Oh, it's tough. It's really tough because I, I mean I went to film school, um, and I feel like YouTube. I'm like the old man on YouTube. Like I don't really understand the way it works and collaborations and algorithms and all that stuff. I'm the guy who's like, you make something, a studio buys it, and then they put it up on TV for you. Mm. And so YouTube, I, I struggled with that a lot. I felt like we created really good content, but never really found the audience that we, we hoped to find. Yeah, because for like the, like the professionalism in the show, like it was made, essentially you made the Star Wars show. Mm -hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that, it could have been, and like if someone said, let's start a, like a weekly show about Star Wars out of Lucasfilm, it could have been that show yeah. or it could have been the show they end up making. So it was like very, you know, for like for YouTube, real high production values. It wasn't just, you know, a doodly table in his mm -hmm. bedroom sort of thing. But I always found, like when I watched it, that its problem was it wasn't official, so it didn't have that that bandwidth of it's mm -hmm. on that channel and it wasn't salacious like it was just yeah. it was just sort of telling the news in an informative fun way and it's like without having like the mega channel or just doing something crazy or outrageous or like saying like uh, i don't know but is there anything that drives traffic more on youtube than saying something sucks like it seems like it's a, like, mm -hmm. podcasting sort of seems more like the output's more positive and a bit more thoughtful, maybe. Maybe I'm yeah. sort of just, like, patting my friends on the back with that. But YouTube seems a lot more like, ah, what are you, what have you done for me in the last three minutes? Like, yeah, I think, I think that's it. And I think what's interesting is, is I think 
we've hit this weird thing where like yeah we're not we're not official but we looked official mm. and i think it made us kind of inaccessible to people you know there's something about like videotaping you and i just sitting here with a microphone like anybody could go and do that people are like oh they're like me only like steel gets to go to the premiere like i want to be like steel and he's not a celebrity he's like halfway between me and the celebrity like uh, that that people like trust you but i think we were a little bit too high-end and polished so people were like well this looks official but it's not official so i don't have to listen to it and we like kind of fell in that this weird void where like we didn't quite have an audience of people who like like we weren't relatable enough mm. but we weren't official enough and we like fell in this weird yeah. little ch chasm in between that um where i feel like if we were a little bit sloppier people would have been like well i could do this at home so i'll watch these people yeah. like it wasn't casual enough yeah because coming from that you know more production side you're just like let's just make it as good as possible mm -hmm. like yeah let's, let's make it slick i'm gonna do some 3d graphics on this like i shouldn't have done that <laughs> you know we should have just taped it in my living room but it's um it, it's weird to learn like when i'm trying to learn to do stuff on video and on youtube and stuff like how much effort is required <laughs> for these production like do you know what i mean how much is the background how much are people taking notice of that or is it just what you're saying it's it's a weird yeah i mean you may want to cut this out because it's not about star wars but i um i got hired to go and do uh by john frieda to go and do a uh video for a youtube makeup artist and they paid me a bunch of money to go and do this very pro video for this makeup artist who's making millions of dollars doing youtube videos every year um and she's shooting with like a cell phone and like two lights that she bought at Sammy's camera for $40. And I show up with like my $25,000 video camera to do behind the scenes of her makeup tutorial <laughs> video. So I'm like, that's when I was really like, wow, I've like, I like fell in the perfectly wrong time. Like I'm too old for YouTube, but I'm too young to be like the film school generation of like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino. I'm like, I'm just hosed. Like, what a waste I spent that money on that education. I'm going to open a bar. Yeah, so I'm going to go do something else. Independent podcasts survive by listener support and the easiest and most direct way for you guys, the listener, to support the Steel Wars podcast is at the Steel Wars Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. For just $3 a month, you get to support the ongoing production of the podcast and also enjoy a plethora of bonus content. And the content is on fire this month. Just uploaded is in full video and full audio, the Star Wars Year by Podcast Episode 2, covering 1970 to 1972 with my good buddy Horst Burkhart from the Blue Harvest Podcast and I running through all the Star Wars political and pop cultural happenings in those years as they relate to Star Wars. That one just got uploaded as well as our episode one after show with listener voicemails and further discussion with me and Oz about the 1914 to 1970 episode. 
So, if you enjoy the podcast, got a couple of bucks to spare every month and want some premium bonus content every week, check out patreon.com forward slash steelwarts. Talk about the bar week. So, uh, this was a, an idea. Uh, in LA, they have the Saved by the Max bar. But that actually is a Saved by the Bell pop-up. But that actually opened in Chicago. And my fiance is a huge Saved by the Bell fan. Like, uh, JC is to Star Wars as Jen is to Saved by the Bell. And um, I grew up in Chicago, so I bought tickets uh, to Chicago to go to the opening. Well, like, we couldn't get in. It was, like, completely sold out. Um, We managed to get in the next day. Um, But while I was there, I was just like, you know, like, there's something to, like, fandom and pop culture and and um in an and in a world where uh espn is not doing well and the nfl and mlb and ratings are down across sports why is there not but there's a million sports bars gotcha why is there not a spot for for people like me to hang out and meet people like me and um and so she and i started talking she's a bar and restaurant designer and for the first time ever, that, like, dream of of creating a space for nerds was able to happen because I'm like, oh, my God, I love you. And this is what you do for a living. Like, I have access. We could do this. And so we put together um, a business plan and we pitched it to a restaurant group that she's done a lot of bars and restaurants for. And they went for it. And we... Um, we did it as a pop-up restaurant because we were like, I don't, nobody's really done this before. I don't know if people will like it. Mm. But, like, if we can do it for two months, like, dream achieved. And uh, and we were able to do it for two months and then another month and then another month. And then um, that August, uh, I went to the business partners because they were supposed to run operations. They run bars and restaurants for a living. I do nerd stuff and film and they're like oh we don't we don't have a plan for august and i was like well i didn't sell any more tickets um so are we shutting down and they're like yeah i think we're gonna shut down and i spent so much time here when it was a pop-up and my fiance spent so much time and we talked to so many people that were like this is great and all but like it'd be so much nicer if i didn't have to make a reservation and 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 set it on my calendar like if I could just I had a bad day at work and I just could go someplace where everybody here would be willing to help me escape and so that August I did something crazy having never worked a day at a bar or restaurant in my whole life I said you know what guys I'm gonna take it over you guys go you guys fade into the background I'm gonna take this space over and I'm gonna do it and they're like you can't just do it like you can't just do it. And I was like, well, if it fails in September, it'll fail in September. But like, I want to give it a shot. And that was a year ago, or thirteen months ago. And here we are. Like, you know. So with it, you used to have to like book in. Was mm-hmm. was that just to like limit the amount of people that were here, like to not have overcrowding? It was a way to um, mitigate the risk of opening the bar. So, you know, it costs a ton of money 
and so by by it was almost like a Kickstarter without being a Kickstarter. Ah, so they're sort of they're pre-booking their yeah. consumption of goods and services. Correct. Yeah, and so when you it was fifty dollars to get in, which is kind of expensive, but we gave you a pint glass with a logo on it. We gave you a challenge, co- a, commemor- a commemorative challenge coin, and two drinks. Um, and you got to hang out here for two hours. And we kind of had a pre-programmed light show and soundtrack and things like that. And so, you know, for Hollywood Boulevard, that's actually a pretty good value. You know, um, if you went to Hard Rock Cafe today, you would not get two drinks, a souvenir pint glass, and a pin for 50 bucks. Um so that's kind of how we started. And then when we kind of went to not having to book a time and things like that, um, I wanted to reward the people who helped get us to where we were at. So those challenge coins that those people got uh, are good for 10% off your bill in perpetuity. So as long as we are open, if you came here while it was a pop-up, you bought one of those challenge coins, or you got one of those challenge coins with your with your ticket, it saves 10%. So if you come here every week and you spend $20, you know, mm. after after, you know, 30 weeks, you've made your money back on that on that ticket purchase. The the cool thing about it, you know, people saying they just want somewhere to go. Like I whenever now someone's in town and they're slightly nerdish, it's just my goat like I'll meet you there. You can get there early. I'll get there. Like, there's mm-hmm. always going to be someone here to talk to, and it's, it's evolved into like, like, a cheers-like environment that for for like all the the bar staff like are always like dressed up and they're into it and mm-hmm. and, and they want to like talk about whatever's happening like on you know for me like in Star Wars or whatever. But it's yeah, I just like that, especially because I'm from the other side of the planet. That I can come down here almost any time, and there'll be someone else here that I that like you can talk to, yeah. and it's easy. It's an easy conversation. To the icebreaker is simply the fact that we exist, mm. you know, and the fact that you walked into this bar, you have something in common with somebody else that's in this bar. Um, one of the things I love is uh, there's a guy named Brian, and Brian is uh, actually the guy who did the episode seven poster. And he came here on May the 4th of 20, what was, uh, this is 2018. He came here on May the 4th of 2017. And he met a a girl here, and they took a couple pictures because they were both dressed up. Well, they started talking, became Facebook friends and started talking. On May the 4th of this year, they came back. And sat down with me, and they were like, we met here one year ago today, and we just signed papers to move in together. So they met here on May the 4th, started dating, and a year later moved in together, and hopefully will probably get married. Because, and they every time they come here, whether they're cosplaying as uh, young Han and Kira, or old Han and Leia, or... Uh, he he cosplayed as Peter Pan and she was Tinkerbell before a John Williams concert a cu- uh, couple weeks ago. They always take the same photo in the same spot as the night they met. Nice. And it, it every time I see him, it makes me so happy because I was like, that's what this place is 
before is, you know, obviously not always creating like a love connection, but like creating connections amongst people. And we don't have TVs here and we don't have a lot of distractions because I want people's eyes at at eye level. Make eye contact with somebody. Tell them that you like the fact that they're wearing uh, a shirt that says blue milk, you know, that looks like Coca-Cola or or. um you know that what do they think about the new captain marvel trailer like th- i love that like i've started saying like we're a comic book shop that serves alcohol instead of <laughs> selling books <laughs> i can't download beer <laughs> can't download beer w- one thing i love is when i'm here is seeing people that have obviously never been in before and they walk through the door off hollywood boulevard which is it's it's it is another world into another world and their face is just like like mouths agape mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty good look i love that there's three types of people who walk in there's a type of people who've never been here before they walk in and their jaw just drops those are the people i love then there's the people who walk in they get about a foot past the door and it's like there's a force field there and they look around wide-eyed like what the hell is this and then they turn and they walk out. And then there's the type of people that are somewhere in the middle where they walk in, their jaw j- hits the floor, they turn around, they take a selfie, and then they walk out. <laughs> and it's like, you could have at least bought a drink. I feel like I'm one of those guys down in front of Grauman's Chinese Theater where it's like, no selfies unless you buy a blue milk. <laughs> not, not true, but kind of. I just drove past her on the way here, and I was just thinking, like, for those dudes that, you know, dress up in the costumes, like, what's what's the first day on the job like? That, just trying to get that first photo, <laughs> like, oh, brutal, brutal. <laughs> I can't, I can't even imagine. And I've been here quite often, and you've had some, you know, some pretty highfalutin nerd celebrity guests. Name drop a few people that have, have come in for some blue milk. Uh, Dan Fogler, uh, Kyle Newman, Jamie King, Zach Levi, um, Danny McBride, Lisa Loeb, uh, Jet Lucas, Ray Park. I've seen Jet here numerous times. Sam Whitwer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jet's here a lot. Uh, uh, who else has been here? Uh, the head of Wiener Schnitzel. Uh, the... The um one of the coolest was uh Kelly Marie Tran came in. Yeah, right. And nobody knew. And then she like tweeted about it after she left, uh, or Instagrammed about it after she left. So she was in here. Um uh Rod Roddenberry is really cool. Ah. Gene Roddenberry's son. Um and they actually did a big event with us. Kevin Smith, obviously, Greg Grunberg, Matt Lancer. Well Ke- Kevin does podcasts here all Kevin the time. Kevin does right? yeah, he's here all the time. The um, there was one after one of our podcasts, and there was like the creature shop was here. Oh yeah, yeah, the dude who was nominated for an Academy Award for the creature shop of um, of episode seven was here. Yeah, Neil Scanlon and 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 all the the Paul creators were yep. here just hanging out, and yeah, it's th- that's why I like the the melting potness of mm-hmm. it all. It's um, it's it's a good and. Like, also in Hollywood, in, in West Hollywood, there's, I don't know, a lot of the bars are a bit serious or full yeah. on or something. And it's cool just to come here and, you know, just to be able to hang out and stuff. I've tried, I, I find a lot of the bars in West Hollywood are a little 
hoity-toity or pretentious or you kind of have to be the right type of person to go in there. And a lot of the Hollywood bars are just uh, super tourist, super tourist or like like how drunk can you get before you get thrown out? Um, and, and, I, and as someone that's lived here for at least a year, I'm, I'm just dead against tourists. You know. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of a neat we're far enough away from like the Hollywood and Highland tourist madness. But um, I, I like to try to keep it homey. The gets the music gets a little bit loud on Saturday nights, but like I'm the old man who comes in and tries Sweet to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Every time you've been here have been some of the best nights. You must bring the party because like <laughs> those are the nights that everybody in the bar sings Sweet Caroline or Be Bohemian Rhapsody, um, which happens. It happens in this bar. I've never seen that where like Bohemian Rhapsody came on one night and we had like orcs and and jawas and humans and jedi knights and like like star lords all singing bohemian rhapsody together like as a unit and you're like this is something you would see in a sitcom and go that's really cool but that would never freaking happen it does at times get a bit holiday special <laughs> yeah <laughs> we yeah. um the golden girl doing this like I one of the um, s sweet Carolines. I was like, yeah, "This is this is a bit B Arthur yeah. holiday special," and I like it. I like it a lot. Well, it's what's cool about this place is how uncool it is. <laughs> you know, like nobody has to. Like, you don't walk in here and like have to put on your cool, cool kid masks. Mm. W you literally can come in here and put on your nerdy mask, like literally and figuratively, and just kind of be yourself. And, like, nobody is going to be like, what is that guy doing here? It's like, oh, no, we're all just just nerds. Now, just to wrap up on the cantina, you, to your credit, as someone that's, you know, run businesses and stuff, you're always adding new stuff. Like, there's, like, new signage and, and, and new tables and chairs, all that sort of good stuff. What, what sort of stuff in the future can people brace for? Well, you know... George Lucas is famously s quoted in anonymous filmmaker that just that said uh, films are never finished; they're only abandoned. We've heard George; we've all heard George Lucas say that a lot. That's kind of how I look at this bar: is there's always something. So our kind of like outer patio area, we're gonna redesign to look like uh, the bridge of a starship, and um, and we're gonna have. TVs that are flush mounted into the controls that typically will just run um, looping animation, shields charging and, and command panel readout things. But you'll be able to uh, ask the bartender for a Nintendo controller and play old school video games on those. So he'll say, go sit at engineering one or go sit at weapons or go sit at shields or go sit at communications. And he'll be able to flip that animation over to video games. And you'll be able to play video games here with your friends. Um, and in, in the spirit of uh, celebrating the things that bring us together instead of the things that separate us. Meaning, I never understood why. I mean, I kind of get like Star Trek versus Star Wars, right? But um, in today's world where outside of these doors, everything is like, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Are you for this or against this? Are you on this side or that side? Red or blue? Left or right? Um, I want this to be a place where 
you can love Star Wars and hate Star Trek, and I can love Star Trek and hate Star Wars, but while we're in here, we put that aside and we talk about Firefly and Battlestar Galactica and Lord of the Rings and, and the 99 things we have in common aside outside of the f- one thing that we disagree on. I'm, I'm interested in that because, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot and for people that are, a lot of podcast listeners are on Twitter a lot and it's like, oh, the fandom, it's, it's like this and that. But you've got a different. You're you're on you're in real life. You're you're IRL Twitter every mm-hmm. night. What's like? How much of a different perspective do you have on the way people interact with you? I would say no. Look, there's definitely people who come in here and they're like, um, you know, you have a Klingon batlet above your bar, right? Or um, like Captain America serves drinks here, and they'll be like, uh. Captain America is not in Star Wars. And my bartender's response is, he goes, look, I'm just doing the best I can. I got in a fight with Doctor Strange. The <laughs> next thing I know, I'm on this swamp planet with this little green <laughs> elf. He puts me in this silver shiny escape pod. I crash land on this desert planet. I got a job here to save up the money because all I'm trying to do is get home and save my friend Bucky, who's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and like to me, that is that's how you bring people in. And there's sometimes that like like somebody came in here and they we were playing the Ghostbusters theme song. And they look at the bartender and they go, "Um, there are no ghosts in Star Wars." <laughs> and bartender goes, "Yeah, there are." And he goes, Don't tell "There Mark are Hamill. not ghosts in Star Wars." And he goes, "Yeah, there are g- like why are you playing this music?" And bartender's like, "Yeah, there are ghosts in Star Wars." And when you've got a, a Jedi spirit haunting your house, who are you going to call? <laughs> and, like, you know, he threw his hands up and he walked out of the bar. <laughs> and, like, so we do get those. But, you know, that's maybe, like, one out of every 20 people. Mm. You know, most people appreciate inclusion and most people appreciate the idea that uh, they don't have to be judged for what they like or they don't like or – how much they like Star Wars or don't. And, like, if somebody wants to throw down Star Wars trivia with me when I'm here, I'm happy to go deep. Um, But at the same time, like, if they're not that into Star Wars, uh, but they're like, oh, no, I really love Lord of the Rings, you know, Zach will go deep on Lord of the Rings with them and and be like, okay, well, if you can answer this question, I'll buy your next drink, you know, and he'll drop – some knowledge about like the name of the eagle that flew Frodo and and Sam home and like I think that's what's so much fun about it is like I don't know a lot about Star Trek or Lord of the Rings but I know a lot about Star Wars and Marvel and and Battlestar Galactica and um and there's something for everybody here depending on when you come but yes Twitter Twitter definitely slants to the 80% of people are just like, pick a side. But in real life, I feel like it flips. I feel like most people are like, oh, my God, this is so nice. Yeah. It's not Twitter. Because, like, you went to um, the Empire Strikes Back the other week at mm-hmm. the Hollywood Bowl. And, like, I went to that and, and went to John Williams and stuff. And when the Star Wars music's on, like, like with thousands of people holding up their lightsabers, th- there's a thing above all this. No, 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 no. I think this should happen. This should happen. It's, it's like, it's 
taking a step back and just like going outside with a group of people and just like Star Wars is fun, whether it's like at the Hollywood Bowl or it's mm-hmm. here. It's so like it's such a treat. Like I'm sure many people that come here couldn't have imagined when they were a teenager that something like this existed. Like, do you know what I mean? Like this is Yeah, well you this is up there with Disneyland. When I was a teenager, I if I if I was talking about Star Wars, I like got teased and beat up and like it was like something that was like whispered in in, you know, passing like amongst a few select trusted friends. Like yeah, right. you couldn't do it. And now for people who grew up like me, like who have I mean, look, just that you get the movies we get now, but like to have a place to go is is I mean that's why I will I will bleed myself dry to make this place cool and inclusive and keep it safe versus like you know most people because there's there's it people like us need a place to go you know and I'm sure there'll be a million other places that start getting built like this I know there's another bar um, in San Jose called Seven Stars that have uh, He's decorated his whole bar with all of his Star Wars toys, and those guys are like the coolest people ever. Um, so, like, there's a nerd bar, and I know there's a couple in Las Vegas, but like, you know, there's like seven in the country. I was in France and went, I, I don't even know, how, I, was, I, I like found out where there'd be a few nerd stores, and it was just near the chocolate district, so it worked out fine. And just by happenstance, I went down this little lane and found a Star Wars crepery. The cafe? Yeah. Odyssey Cafe, it's called. And mm-hmm. it's it's like you're sitting, if they had a crepery on a Star Destroyer, like it's all that wallpaper and then mm-hmm. out the window there's another Star Destroyer. And I was in shock. Unlike here, no one that worked there had any... Like, I'm sure the owner did, but the staff on the day could have been more bland about Star <laughs> Wars. And I'm just like, this is amazing. Why is it here? The, uh, the owner likes, likes Star Wars. Like, what, <laughs> what crepe do you want? But, but um, it was a, it was like an oasis of, my, my wife's just like, how did these Star Wars things find you? Like, did you know about this? Did you, like, it's the force. did you mean Steel. to go down that lane? I'm like, no, yeah. just, it just happened. It just happened. You're untrained. You're like Anakin riding his pod racer. <laughs> <laughs> reaching for the drink. <laughs> reaching for the drink. Um, JC, before we wrap up, it's it's always cool to talk Star Wars with you. Let's talk. We always like to find out what people are looking forward to in Star Wars. And, and as we sort of touched upon before, The Last Jedi was a, a rocky road for you, particularly listening to me talk about it. <laughs> I sort of have this theory that if episode nine does what it should do, it, it should make people appreciate the other eight episodes more. Like it should take all, you know, little things and make you go, ooh, I want to, like, that, that, that brings up that thing from Attack of the Clones or, you know, The Force Awakens mm-hmm. or The Empire Strikes Back. And I'm hoping that for those that didn't enjoy The Last Jedi, what happened in Episode Nine? sort of they liked that so much that it's like, well, that had to happen for that had to mm-hmm. happen. But in your mind, like, what's your headcanon of, of where 
episode nine could wrap up to where it's like satisfying for you? Um, I think if they can, I I don't like flashback. I particularly don't like flashback as a storytelling device in Star Wars. I'm with you. Um, Traditional. I think if they can find a way to uh, close out Princess Leia's arc with dignity, I think if they can um, give me, without using flashback, a very good explanation to a backstory on how Luke went from Return of the Jedi to to the end of Episode Eight, um, and whether that's an Obi Wan Kenobi type moment where he comes back as a Force ghost and he's like, "Well, Ray, let me tell you something my mentor told me about a certain point of view." Um, if they can do that, if they can, if they can basically tie everything up the way that Return of the Jedi did for what was hanging out with Empire, um, but do it with, and give it a little mythological meat that I think uh, Episode 7 was lacking, um, but you still have the same joy of, uh, and and, uh, Episode 7 felt very weightless, right? Like it was was light and fluffy and fun. and episode eight, I think, was like kind of the polar opposite of that. Mm. I think if you can kind of find that middle ground where you like anchor everything in mythology, you kind of explain it, and uh, and you but you still make it spirited and adventureful. I think that'll satisfy me. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. At the end of episode eight, felt very much like the end of a story to me. The little boy in his broom. Um, is episode nine going to be about the little boy and his broom? I don't know. I think that's a weird way to end a movie if that's not what the next movie's about. Um, but uh, Star Wars is all about hope, yeah, and I right. do have hope. Yeah, that's. Um, I'm glad you learned that lesson <laughs> from <laughs> the, the opening credits of of. Um, it is there is this hope for the galaxy, and there's hope for the cinema. Mm-hmm. But but the, when you bring up Broom Boy, sometimes I forget about the Broom Boy. And it is a weird way, because like, I, I feel like we think about it the same, like when you say, oh, I don't know about flashbacks, because, you know, you sort of have that Star Wars storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, devices and stuff. And to have that Broom Boy was very, like I get it in what it represented to Luke Skywalker, like that really, like as a single end of the film, hit me because I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. that story of Luke Skywalker is, you know, like I, I got a lot out of that because like I can sort of relate to his Luke Skywalker right. fandom. Anyone that's a fan of Luke Skywalker in the films, like in The Force Awakens, I saw a like a preview 10 minutes of it like two weeks before the film came out. And when Ray says, oh, Luke Skywalker, I thought he was just in this. And, he's in, and I'm just like, oh my God, Ray's a Luke Skywalker fan. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyone that's down for Luke Skywalker, I um I can appreciate. But it was yeah, it is jarring in the like the rhythm of the films that George Lucas set up. If that had ended episode nine, I think I would have been like yeah. Oh yes. But at the end of episode eight, I'm like, wait, what that seems like the end of the book, but I know there's another chapter. Mm. You know? It's um 
Yeah, it's weird because my Star Wars OCD is like, you shouldn't do that. But then I'm like, love the broom boy. Love what he represents. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have yeah. to I mean unlearn what you have learned. <laughs> yes. And to be fair, like in the prequel movies, I didn't love the fact that they took us inside Anakin's dream. You know, yeah. like that kind of rubbed me the same way when I saw it as the flashbacks did, except I was like, well, it's George Lucas. He can do what he wants. And then the flashback was kind of like the next step further for me where I was like, ah, you've taken it too far now. Like, yeah, it was a little bit too much. Yeah, I, it sort of like niggles with me, but I'm like, am I just being stubborn? I don't like, yeah, so I, I'm sort of like. I'm against it, but I'm not sure if I'm right to be against it. Yeah, yeah. Are we just old gatekeeping, like dogmatic people? I Um, don't think we're gatekeeping, but we're we're clinging to the gate as it swings (laughs) open. Uh, JC, thanks so much for your time, and I uh, also thanks for your amazing venue where I can just relax and drink giant glasses of beer. I I, I really (laughs) appreciate it. Where can the good people of the internet follow your work? and the details, perhaps, of the bar if they want to um, create some work for you? Uh, At Reifenberg is me. That's probably the best way to get at me, Reifenberg, R-E-I-F-E-N-B-E-R-G on Twitter. I don't really use Instagram because I'm an old man. Um, You can come to the bar and talk to me. That's probably my favorite way of communicating and the best way to get stuff done. Uh, Or Scum and Villainy Cantina on Facebook. SV Cantina on Twitter and Scum and Villainy Cantina on Instagram. All all those roads point to me. So you're not on Instagram that much, but you're happy to come here and be tagged on it. <laughs> yes, photo. yes, yeah. Anything for self-promotion. <laughs> <laughs> um, Including putting up with me for an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, I have fun. I have fun talking to you. Because even when we disagree, I think we have fun with it. Yeah, well, you that's know, it's, like it's not that... <laughs> It's not that big an issue. Yeah. Like, we love the films, and, and they've shaped us so much, but at the end of the day, it's sort of just like, oh, you, <laughs> you like that color lightsaber? I like that. You know, it's so... <laughs> and I, I sometimes I feel like people get a bit too, like, just because someone didn't like that episode of the cartoon, it's, it's they're chill, yeah. man. It's, it's, it's all Wh- chill. What do you think of uh, Mace Windu's purple lightsaber? Pro or, or con? Pro or against? How about this one? No emotion. Let him have it. Yeah. Like I sort of, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm. I've just gone. I think because I'm on Twitter so much, I'm just past all those. <laughs> like I'm just like, I try to generate an opinion, then I go, yeah, nah. You know what we should do? Spinny you lightsabers, though. I can give you an opinion on them. Big thumbs the down. General Grievous ones. Oh no, 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 no. The um. Oh, the, the, the others. Inquisitor. Yeah, yeah. Inquisitor ones were bad. That was bad. And the gun lightsaber of Ezra's, I didn't like See, either. See, we hit a lot of the same. Yeah. We're, we were brought up to, to <laughs> still appreciate our Star Wars in a certain way. Um, Star Wars Resistance is coming out. Mm-hmm. Like, next week, maybe? Mm, two weeks, yeah. Two weeks. We should, uh, after a couple episodes, we should come back and do another, yeah, another that'd show be great here. Fun. When we got the new new stuff coming out. Yeah. I, um, I'll tell you what I'm also excited about. Bob Iger saying maybe one Star Wars movie a year is too much and that Star Wars should be more of an event. Did mm-hmm. you hear that news? Yeah. That is so exciting for me because 
it gives me a chance to dig in deeper before I have to move on to the next piece of Star Wars. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, I it's but then you know people talk about like the Marvel movies and all that sort of stuff, but like Star Wars fandom evolves around that three year gap mm-hmm. and then a giant gap, and so we we get too excited for three films a year. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't go to three toy, toy launches a year. You can't. <laughs> right. You can't do all that stuff. So, I'm, I, I, I think like eighteen months is the good natural progression of like hype up, hype down, watch the movie, and then gear up for the next film. But one a year, I can, I can handle. I, I, I do miss Christmas without Star Wars. Oh. Like, I, like I feel like that's going to be, you know. But I mean, you're still gonna. And I think that's the other thing. Like, it wasn't just a movie a year. It was a movie plus a TV show mm. plus, a pl- you know, you had to watch Rebels and you had to. And it was like, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. I can't keep up. Like, I was used to, and it's probably the same thing for you. Like, you only had three Star Wars movies for so long that you just, like, consumed everything Star Wars. Like, if a pencil case came out, you're like, I want that because it's the only thing Star Wars that I'm going to get for the rest of my life. I've still got that pencil case. Yeah. Did do. Do you know the one I'm talking about? It's blue, blue with, with Luke, yes! with Luke <laughs> and Vader on it in the throne room. Oh my god! Um, yeah, it's in my cabinet up the road. It's yeah, like one of my oh. cherished, cherished things. But like uh, two dollar pencil case. Yeah. Um. But you. But it. it <laughs> oh. Um. That's amazing. You knew exactly what I was talking about. The. Uh, Everybody's going to think that was staged, <laughs> which it totally wasn't staged. I bought it at a drugstore in 1989 in Chicago in the clearance aisle is where I got mine. Did it come with like a little shaky ruler with the battle? No. Of, uh, no. So I got it in a set and it came with an R2-D2 sharpener just with him printed on the sharpener mm-hmm. and then a lenticular or whatever. You know, those rulers that like oh, yeah, yeah, like transform yeah. and transform. And so it was the Battle of Endor in space, <laughs> and the Falcon would move around and stuff like that. I'll, I'll, um, I think I've got that in the pencil case at home, but I'll look into it and I'll, I'll, I'll send you a pic. But that pencil case, like I remember just being at school and just staring at it and just like going, mm-hmm. the Star Wars movies, I love, <laughs> I love. But on um, a few podcasts, like the bigger ones, DC, they've got like an app. And oh, yeah. DC Unlimited. And they're saying all the shows that are going to be on it. And I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of shows, man. Mm-hmm. That's too much. So, yeah, I, I, I want to enjoy it as much Star Wars as possible, like a fine wine. Just yeah. savor it and let it, let it breathe. Yeah, and then you like go home, you go to sleep, you wake up hungover, you give it a day, and then you're like, you know what, I could use another glass of wine. Yeah, yeah. And then we can come here and talk about it while we drink yeah. beer, which is ironic. Hey, JC, thanks so much for your time, man. And may that force be with you. Always. Hey, you guys. Thanks so much for listening to that super fun episode with the Scum and Villainy Cantina's JC Reifenberg. It's always super fun to be at the Scum and Villainy Cantina. And if you're ever in the LA area, I demand you get down there. And it's also super fun at all times to chat Star Wars with JC. Now, I just want to give an extra shout out to our friends at Harry's Shavers for supporting this episode of Steel Wars. And if you want to check out their free trial shave set offer, you just cover the $3 shipping and you get a a travel set, essentially. It is super good and clean shaven. 
check it out at harrys.com forward slash steel wars. You get a sweet deal and it supports the podcast. And if you want to support the podcast in a direct financial manner, please consider checking out our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash steel wars. You hold a blurb in the middle of the show, but this month it is extra chock full with uh, really good premium content. And for just $3, you get that as well as the entire back catalog. Of course, there's high tiers if you want stickers and t-shirts and all that. But $3 certainly gets the job done if you want some extra listening and supporting us. If you want to support us in a non-financial manner, hey man, seriously, just giving us a retweet or share on Facebook or Instagram, wherever, really does help us. And of course, writing a sweet five-star review on iTunes bumps up the rankings and vouchers to potential listeners that we're doing some good stuff. And it also bumps down the silly reviews from people that, I don't know, I, I liked a movie too much and they're angry about that. Like, bleh. Anyway, so yeah, jump on iTunes and write a proper review from an actual listener. It, it, it really does help out. And it also helps my enthusiasm, which with a six-week-old child is tentative at best. So anything you can do to help us out is super, super appreciated. And on the uh, the Cantina theme, you should go check out our live episodes that we've done there. We did one with Sam Witwer, uh, Darth Maul in uh, Rebels and Solo and, and all over the place, Starkiller in uh, The Force Unleashed. That was a ripping episode. We also did The Last Jedi, the one-month reaction we did a Rebels reaction. Uh, they're all available in video and audio. And we also did a solo reaction show. And uh, great times at the Scum and Villainy Cantina. And all those shows resulted in very late nights. With perhaps a bit of Sweet Caroline getting sung at some point. Love that place. Love it so and we've been doing pretty well with our Friday schedule for the Hyper News, breaking down all the Star Wars news for the week. And you can watch that live or on demand at youtube.com forward slash Steel Wars. If you're in America, it's Friday evenings. If you're in Australia, it is Saturday mornings. It's changed a little bit because of daylight savings has changed in everyone's country so all the times get mixed around but you can check the website for the exact time in your country and of course the audio version of that is an exclusive for our patreons just from the one dollar tier get that so uh, enjoy we had emily lind on last episode going through all the mando news and this week there'll be more mando news it is the best of times and of course we take listener calls so you can be on the podcast too thanks so much for all your support thanks so much for listening thanks so much to jc and may that force This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. 
If you're after more Star Wars listening, please check out the Making Star Wars podcast network at makingstarwars.net, where you can find such great podcasts as Blue Harvest, First Order Transmissions, Idiots Array, Making Star Wars Now This Is Podcasting, Podcast 2187, Rebel Girl, Rogue One, Tarkin's Top Shelf, The Cargo Hold, and The Sith List. So that's planetbroadcasting.com and makingstarwars.net. Los Angeles tickets are now on sale for our final live podcast of the year at Geeky Tees Magnolia Boulevard, Burbank on Saturday, December 15th at 4pm. For the first time ever, we'll be doing a live podcast version of our annual listener prediction review show where we review all the Star Wars news predictions that you guys made at the start of the year. I'll be joined on stage by a grip of previous Steel Wars guests, along with the live audience, to help us decide who was the Jedi Master Star Wars predictor for 2018. And spoiler alert, I did not fare well in this competition. It's going to be a hilarious afternoon of live Star Wars fun, Saturday, December 15th, 4pm at Geeky Tees Burbank. Tickets are on sale at merchostore.com. The link is in the show notes. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.